In service and solidarity, my name is Ahmed Al-Nasr. This is your PBHA podcast. Welcome to the PBHA podcast. My name is Ahmed and I'm the student development chair. This podcast hopefully will increase our affinity for reflection and introduce reflection into a common space. So like not necessarily within the PBHA space. On this podcast, we'll have members of the community, alumni and students who will detail their experiences while at the same time giving helpful hints, tips and tricks of things they use in their daily lives that help them reflect and be better individuals and students. My name's Jesse, joining here for the pilot episode. Very exciting. We're excited at the possibilities that more people will want to get into deeper conversation with each other, want to think more deeply about themselves and their work in communities and in partnership with those off campus. Um, so we'll have a number of segments, including an interview with student off campus, uh, community member, uh, some fun things, some some deep things, some readings, poetry, some tips, uh, getting getting us thinking out of the bubble. Because after things. all, we're more than just Harvard students. We're members of the community. Hello, um, my name is Aisha Wilson, and I am a social worker. I have my degree in social work from Wheelock College. And currently, I want to call myself a Jill of all trades. I do a bunch of things in the community. Um, I am a teacher counselor for the workforce program, which is a part of Cambridge Housing Authority. And I am also the secretary for the NAACP here in Cambridge. I also um, am a candidate running for school committee in the city, um, as well as a consultant and a million and other things. So I do a lot. That's amazing. Um, if you could briefly elaborate how you got into that kind of work, like what made you decide to run for school committee? What made you become the Jill of all trades that mm -hmm. you are? Yeah, so um, I knew that long time ago that I really just enjoyed helping and supporting young people and young people to be their best selves. Um, and in many cases, kind of whatever that means and whatever that looks like for them. Um, but as long as they are feeling like they are them, their best selves, um, that's, that's where we're at. Um, and so I did a lot of youth work here in Cambridge, um, youth programs, uh, the teen centers, mayor's program I was a counselor for. Um, and so through a lot of that work, I just enjoyed just, again, helping young people from middle school to high school and even um, child care, uh, two to five or K to five um, grade levels. And so to kind of fast forward, I think, to today, it was really about what degree can I get that will really, again, heighten this level of access and support of young people? Right. And it was like social work. Um, so. At first, I was doing human services, and I went to a two-year school, and uh, Urban College of Boston, and I just really want to shout them out because I love <laughs> that school. And um, then after that, I was like, well, what am I going to do next? And my advisor, Miss um, Nancy Daniels, had said, what about social work? I think that that would be a good bridge of a balance for, you know, social work allows you to do kind of anything. Um, and so I looked into a few schools in, throughout the Boston area and Wheelock 
popped up and I went to Wheelock and I got my my BSW there and then my MSW there. Um, and then with the workforce program, I did the workforce as a young person here in the city. So I am a product of Cambridge. I am a product of the Housing Authority. And so through the workforce, they support young people who are their residents, grades 8 through 12, in um, life skills training. So we attend. So I teach a one-day-a-week workshop and uh, to each grade level. So each grade level comes in every day. And through that, they learn more about themselves. They learn about advocating for themselves. They learn about um, how to code switch, how to uh, think about post-secondary options, how to even think about risky behaviors and peer pressure and what mm-hmm. does all those things look like. And then we start to, you know, as we're getting deeper into their um, high school you know, career, we're looking at colleges or looking at post-secondary planning and what, what are their interests and what does that translate into in terms of a career? And for that career, now what education or what support or training or programs do you need to get there? Um, and so that part of workforce really excites me and, and I'm really joyful and, and grateful to be in this position. And I've been here for about four and a, fa- four and a half years um, doing this work, which is amazing. And... Then what got me into wanting to run for school committee Mm. is the fact that I'm in the high school. So um, my workforce site is at Cambridge and Latin, and this is a high school I also graduated from back in 2000, uh, just to date myself a little bit. And (laughs) so what that did for me is now I get to see the young people in the school that I grew up in, and I get to see some of their challenges or hear many of their challenges. and not a lot has really changed with the challenges that they have versus with the challenges I had 20 years ago. Um, but what has changed is the amount of young people who are roaming the halls, who are not in the classes, who are not feeling supported by teachers, et cetera, et cetera. And that really started to concern me um, as young people are actually communicating and saying, I'm not getting what I need. And I don't feel like I belong, so I'm just not going to be in these spaces. Um, And so that really drove me to just think a little bit more about how can I be a part of policy and changes and, you know, support our young people, especially our most vulnerable population, our students of color, and um, really get them in a path of just taking more ownership of their learning Mm -hmm. and not leaving it up to their teachers Although it is teachers' responsibilities to create a very safe and warm and welcoming environment for all young people, um, but our young people really have to take some of that as well. So it's an equal partnership there. Right. Yeah. I, before, I guess, shout out to Miss Nancy Daniels for yes. advising you on the right path because now we have uh, such a dedicated community member in Cambridge. <laughs> but um, I am curious, in your role... Uh, Obviously, there is a lot of advocacy because you have to advocate on behalf of the young people. And with workshops like your once a week workshop, mm-hmm. uh, that involves like direct service where you have to be there. I'm curious on how you feel about the uh, the role that advocacy and service have with one another and how we can like push this grassroots change to fix the system with the combination of advocacy and service. How do they play together? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a big it's really a big deal. I mean, we talk to our young people daily about what it means to advocate, but advocating appropriately. You know, like it's one thing to say that you need certain resources in order to be a better you. Um, 
you can do it in a way that could be malice, you know, like you're demanding it um, versus like, let's conversate around these are my needs and how can you support me around my needs? Um, and so we do a lot of work. We do a lot of um we have a lot of curriculum built around this with our young people. We actually, in the summertime, I'm gearing up for our summer program, which is called the Summer Learning Literacy Program. And we are really diving deep into advocacy and our young people taking ownership of their learning style, which is really important so that when they come back to school as eighth graders, um, this is for rising eighth graders, they're able to come back and say, this is what I learned, this is what I need, and I really want to be a rock star in terms of learning, but this is what I need in order to feel like I can be a rock star. Right. And so on a daily basis, you know, we understand that, you know, in many cases, especially in marginalized communities, if you don't know something, most of the time you just shut down. Right. And so with that, you don't get the help that you need. You're not going to get any support or resources. No, not many people, unless they really care you know, are going to say, I see you shut down. What is it that you need? How can I help you more? Many times teachers are looking for you to identify what your needs are and come to them. Um, and so that challenge right there really puts us in a place of like, you know, the work that we do at Workforce and other programs throughout the city, but the work that Workforce does is we're telling our students, you need to have more of that ownership and you need to advocate for yourself. And then what that translates to is when you move into college or when you move into the workplace, you know, you'll be able to um, really articulate what it is that you need in order to be successful um, and do it in a way, again, that is appropriate and, you know, respectful and all that good stuff, not demanding, you know, these resources or needs, but just really saying, I actually care about my learning. I care about kind of where I'm at and where I want to be. And and so I need these resources in order to do better. I need access to these resources. Um, so, yeah, that's. And the importance of that, I can only imagine. I know at Harvard, a lot of our students have that issue also, mm -hmm. where rather than trying to commit to their own learning style, they like, you know, would just follow whatever the teacher says. And right. then that is obviously can be very detrimental if it doesn't work out. Absolutely. Yeah, they, you know, they need to be in a place where they're able to feel confident about that. And, you know, the transition from high school to college is so different, you know, and I'm sure on the Harvard campus where, you know, as an Ivy League school, the expectations are probably super high. Mm. Not probably, but I'm, yeah, they're super high. So at the end of the day, they're expecting young people to really come in having those tools already, you know, just already in the bag, like they, like second nature in a sense. And mm -hmm. it's like, no, you know, coming to this area, coming into this community, it, it takes a lot of navigating. It could be any community, any school, any, um, you know, new thing that you're jumping into. It takes time. It takes practice. Right. Um, but you need to have caring and supporting individuals, mentors, counselors, all that, you know, even if it's upperclassmen who are able to kind of take on that peer leadership role to really guide and nurture um, younger individuals to kind of get there because it's not easy. And I guess segueing into your reflective practices, your, you know, how you look back on your time uh, through everything, you know, like right before you run for school committee, mm -hmm. um, how do you feel like those reflective practices have helped you in life? And how do you feel that, like, what have you picked up basically in your daily reflective processes? Yeah, I mean, I would say that um, reflections are, are, it's necessary. It's necessary mm -hmm. to do daily, weekly, 
Um, you know, I, you know, I may have my to-do list and it's like a bunch of things for Monday through Friday or Monday through Sunday. And, you know, as I go back through that week or on a daily basis, I'm checking the boxes and, you know, whiting things out like, okay, got that done. And it feels good. But then, you know, curveballs start to come into play. And those Mm -hmm. are things that you just didn't plan for. You know, just last week alone, I had um, a young person whose mom passed away. You know, it's a 16-year-old, a sophomore in high school whose mom passed away just suddenly. And, you know, how do you support that young person? And how do you build them into your to-do list, you know, of right. of making sure that you're checking in on them, check, making sure that you're being there for them? I had a senior who's also uh, experienced her grandfather passing away uh, two weeks ago, and, their, and his service was on Friday. And so, again, I have now two young people who are experiencing significant deaths in their family who need the support of me who are coming in and needing me and I also have a to-do list that's like a mile long so you know I had to take the weekend honestly to really reflect on my own self-care right because that was heavy right young people losing parents grandparents like that's that's major and and also make sure that I'm actually taking care of business and taking care of my job and my mm-hmm. work um, and still coming to work looking fresh and looking <laughs> like, you know, and looking like I didn't, you know, like all this stuff that is weighing on me doesn't actually look like it's weighing on right. me. Um, and so making sure that I still sleep good and eat well and all those things. So it, it's a it's a it's work. It's work and it's work in progress. And, you know, week by week, it's not perfect, you know, um, but consistently i'm I'm trying and I try to eat good and try to have a banana a day and That's you know good, yeah. those kind of things that <clears throat> excuse me those kinds of things that are really just imperative to just keeping you moving because <clears throat> excuse me if we think about like the airplane rule you know you got to put the mask on yourself before you can put it mm-hmm. on others so if you're not able to take care of yourself God knows you won't be able to take care of anybody else yeah, and and I wouldn't. I would be lost if I wasn't here to take care of others. You know, right. yeah. at PBHA we have so many conversations about your work life balance and mm-hmm. kind of you know bridging that gap. So, um, and obviously with reflection, there comes like little alterations to your work life balance where you favor one side or you favor the other. But I'm curious as to you know how you feel like your reflection personally has managed to like build your work life balance. Um, you know, I meditate a lot. Mm-hmm. I really do. I put on even if even if it's during the day, I put on like a do nothing for two minutes. <laughs> and that just allows me to just step away from everything that's going on that's right. really just heavy on me. Um, and then I'm able to just kind of reflect and then come back to it. Um, again, just going back to checking those boxes and really feeling like I'm accomplishing things on a daily basis. And if I'm not able to get through everything on the list for today, mm-hmm. it's okay to move it over till tomorrow or later on in the week. Um, so also just being okay with, you know, not getting through everything. That's part of my reflection that it's like I have to be gentle to myself in that process. And right. so it's very important for any person to be gentle to themselves. You're not going to get through everything Um but at least if every day you can go through and say, I put my best foot forward um, in accomplishing my goals or whatever the case is. And mm-hmm. if I didn't get through anything, so be it. I'll get, there's always tomorrow. Um, and, and, you know, and then you just try to figure out and readjust and think about what does that look like? 
Um, I know, especially for students and coming up with finals and all that good stuff. And it's like, wow, the weeks can be more, you know, those days are heavier than anything else. 100%. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, you know, but if you didn't accomplish something for yesterday and you know that you have some finals today or paper that's due at the end of the week, you know, all these things start to get heavy and you still want to be a student. You're still a young person. You still want to, you know, go out and play if right. you would. Um, and so how do you really figure out and navigate all those things? Well, you really have to say, I got to earn my play. I got to earn, you know, it's important for me to earn, you know, that outing, that night out to chill or party um, or just be around, socialize and be around others. Um, but for me, I'm like, when I was in college, I was like, you know, you know, the way I earned that outing of that dinner with friends or whatever the case is, is I got this paper done or I made sure, you know, if it was a 15 page paper that was doing two weeks every day, I'm kind of breaking it down. Like I need to get, you know, three pages done this day or by the end of this week, 10 pages need to be done. Right. And it really I had to reflect on a daily basis on where am I with this work, the task at hand. Mm-hmm. And if I wasn't progressing the way I needed to, unfortunately, my outing out with friends Right. <laughs> had to be backseated because this paper was more important. Um, and again, when you're in college, you're paying for this education. Mm. So, yeah, I'm sorry, friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'll catch you all on the back end, you know, but yeah. but it's real. Um, and it, it's, But it's very critical that you're taking care of yourself through that process. Mm. And, you know, you really have to think about what that balance looks like and what's most appropriate for you. Um because individuals, you know, anxiety, depression, all those kinds of things start to come up if you kind of lose, you know, your friendships and, you know, and hanging out and having a social life, too. So you have to do what's best for you. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine when you fix that or not fix that, but like when you make positive changes to that work life balance, you know, it only makes the work better. It mm-hmm. makes the life better. Yeah. You feel a hell of a lot better about yourself and you you feel more accomplished. You you know, you feel like, woohoo, I can, not only can I just check a box, but I could probably crumble that paper, rip it up, mm-hmm. throw it, you know, <laughs> alley hoop it or something, <laughs> because, yeah, you feel more successful in the end of the day. Right. I want to talk now uh, to our, you know, specifically to our PBHA constituents. Yes. We have, you know, volunteers who in their daily lives want to strive to do half of what you can do mm-hmm. in your life and what you've done. So I was wondering if you have any advice to our PBHA volunteers who may be wanting to go into this type of work or mm-hmm. wanting to be forces in their community. Yeah. You know, being a strong mentor, um, it, you know, I think there's so many different elements of PBHA that I love and I'm so fascinated with. And I love the different roles that individuals play. Um And I know that mentorship is a big deal and being like a role model, whether it's with young people or within each other. Um, And so just being and having that supportive community that, you know, can be like that home away from home. You feel safe. You feel secure here. um, You feel like you could be vulnerable, which is important. But, you know, I think being a mentor and um, and to young people specifically it's probably the biggest reward that you can actually, it's a humbling experience. Um, you never know the young people that you're dealing with, what they're going through on a day-to-day basis. And the fact that they're able to maybe open up and share something of their story with you, um, you should never take for granted or take as like, um, you need to be kind of prideful in a way of like humble, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just, again, I guess the way to really think about it is that when young people share things with you, you're really coming from a place of um, because of this relationship that has been built, 
you know, we're able to, I'm able to feel like I can confide in you and I can share something deeper about myself with you. And, um, and so for our PBH, um, a folks, you know, we want to make sure that you're able to, uh, support, guide, nurture, be consistent, you know, be empathetic, be real, you know, hold young people accountable, hold yourself accountable. Right. Um, it's important to own it. It's important to say when you don't have it all together because you're not going to always have it together. Come on, y'all are at Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> Harvard's a big deal. You know, it's a lot of work, but you all are doing a great job. And, and, and you got to always know to pat yourself on the back, even if somebody else doesn't. And that's my thing, too, is just even as an adult in my 30s, I pat myself on the back daily. I don't need anybody else. I appreciate everybody else who does, but I don't necessarily need it. And so as long as I know that I'm doing a good job and I'm out here and I'm being supportive to young people and uh, being consistent and being even vulnerable myself in some cases, um, that that's really where the love, where where it drives deep for this work. Right. You know? And. Uh, I just want to touch back also on the relationship building that you talked about. Mm -hmm. So many times we can't see that relationship building like happen mm -hmm. because it's so long term. Mm -hmm. And it has. So I was wondering what you think about like how the small pieces of that relationship building like manage out into change and larger change as a whole. You will not know <laughs> that you're making an impact with somebody until like months down the line, you mm -hmm. know, um, sometimes, though. As long as young people come back to see you or if you're in a space where they have to come to you, but if they if you have to go to them with them showing up each and every day or week or whatever means that you're building a relationship with right. them. There's a connection there. There's something that this young person is really digging about you. Um, and all you have to do is just be consistent and be your authentic self in that process. Um, please, please, please. One thing I... I despise is when people, you know, really feel like they have to like overly do it in order to like build a relationship. Like don't, you know, like talk a slang or, you know, do some kind of something that's really out of your own character right. to feel like you're making connections with young people because that's so not okay. And young people will um, totally read through the BS and be like, eh, <laughs> if this person don't get away from me, you know, I have young people tell me this on a daily basis. I've made strides with people, with young people. I remember when I first started at workforce and I remember two young men that I had in ninth grade and they used to work me. <laughs> they used to work me, work me, work me. And I would confide in my supervisor to just say, I'm challenged, you know, but I'm not giving up on these two black men, you know, young black men. I'm really going to keep working with them. I'm going to I'm going to keep supporting them cuz I need them to know that I'm here for them and I got their backs. By time we didn't really make strides until they hit senior year. Mm -hmm. And at that time when this young man said to me, "Aisha, thank you. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for always being there for me." You know, Thank you for pushing me and, and being as hard as you did, suspending me, dropping, you know, whatever the case is. Thank you for those lessons. You know, like those kinds of things are important because it's like at the end of the day, they're learning. I'm not giving up, but I'm also going to hold you accountable. Right. And so in that process of relationship building, it's not about the young person wins. It's about we're learning lessons together. We're right. both going to grow in this process, but you're going to hold me accountable and I'm surely going to hold you accountable. 
Um, and so those are those are some key tips right there. It's nice that also you can see the direct link between that and your ideas for school committee. Yeah, they fit right in. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, also, just note to PBHA volunteers: you know, it takes time and it takes effort, but your investment will come back as Absolutely. long as you're putting in the effort. Absolutely. Um, I guess, you know, uh, youth focus is important. Obviously, a very like core part of your um, of your day-to-day activities and your vision for the world. Um, I was wondering if you were at Harvard and you were an undergraduate right now and you could be given like this advice that could help you in that kind of pursuit, what advice would you, what would you want to be made aware of? Wow. Um, You know, growing up in Cambridge, walking through Harvard Yard on a daily basis to go to school and stuff, I've always said to myself, I'd love to be at Harvard. You know, there were some celebrities that used to (laughs) walk the campuses. And um, even now, you know, there's like Malia Obama is here. So, I mean, it's some cool stuff to be a part of Harvard. And um, but, you know, it's one of those things where. You know what? I forgot. I blanked out on the question. It's totally fine. Sorry. It basically if you were. if you were a Harvard student, yeah. what would you want to be made aware of? Yeah. Um, not only just like what opportunities are out there in terms of, um, you know, academically, the programs that I can take and uh, courses to really advance myself in whatever my um, degree of choice or career choice is going to be. Um, but also knowing about how to keep that balance. Mm -hmm. So the social life, I mean, we're in the heart, you're in the heart. It's Harvard Square, Harvard. Um, So there's a lot that's there. There's a lot of fun places and great um, experiences that you can um, take part in. And so really thinking about how do you balance that and how do you like embrace all of that, um, that's important. So just having great mentors, great people who are knowledgeable about the city, upperclassmen who have kind of been through the process and who can able to say, like, yeah, when I was a freshman, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. Um, so I would just really just say that, you know, if I had the opportunity to be at Harvard, I would really want to just soak it all in and just take the classes and meet the people and join clubs and be so actively involved as possible because, it's Harvard. <laughs> and, and you know, but regardless of what college campus, but, you know, at the end of the day, I'm talking to my students now about when you go to school, you want to continue to kind of do those things and be socially involved and be active. And if, you, if you've never played a sport before, go for that sport team or maybe the intramural sports. You know, go for that club. And if there's not a club that, that you enjoy, create your own because mm-hmm. they, you could do these things, right? So... Anything that you like or anything that you enjoy doing, you know, you have the the range to kind of take part of it, but also know that, you know, like PBHA, that there's a family there and that there's always like you always want to call that like home base. Right. Mm-hmm. And so anytime that things get a little challenging or hard, always come back to your home base and right. kind of figure out how do we regroup and how do we go back out into the community and be as you know successful as we can be. But don't forget home base. <laughs> <laughs> With that, I guess, is there anything you want to say uh, to wrap things up, to, you know, unify your message? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm really grateful and thankful that I've been asked to come on here and just We're share grateful my, to have you. <laughs> thank you. And just share my experience and share my story. Um, 
in, in my tips, I guess. Um, I think of myself in a way as, you know, I like to say I am Cambridge because I have such a wealth of experience and knowledge here. And, you know, again, being a product of Cambridge and of the housing authority and all that stuff. But, you know, this is what's driving me to keep doing this work. And again, I think with um, running for school committee in Cambridge is a big deal for me. And I'm super excited to embark on that next new journey as I'm out there and uh, canvassing and all that good stuff. So if any of you Harvard folks see me walk in the community, come join me. <laughs> plug, shameless plug. Please but, do. Yes, but you know, at the end of the day, don't forget home base. Don't for, don't forget PBHA. And you know, I do a good amount of work with PBHA and have some friends there. So I love the work and I love um, the movement at Harvard. And we'll love to see how we can grow on a partnership with with Cambridge Public Schools and see how we can build more connections and mentorships with our students Mm -hmm. and see how that might, you know, what that might turn into. And those mentorships obviously will play out as you've mentioned so far. Yes, yes. So I look forward to all of that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's probably part of my agenda, (laughs) you know, so I'm excited about that. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Aisha. Thank Uh, you for having me. This is really helpful. I I hope all of our volunteers can understand, like, the gravity of the situations and, like, all the things you've described, both in your individual life and collectively mm-hmm. with you and your young people and the community around you. Thank you. So I can't emphasize how appreciative we are and how and how much luck we all wish you on mm-hmm. your run for school committee. Yay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Aisha was great. She was. That was fantastic. I honestly, I really loved what she had to say about, you know, mobilizing young people and all the strategies she shared i think those are can't express how valuable they are to me and i guess anybody experiencing anything in pbha i would say if the voting age was 16 in cambridge she'd be a shoe in but maybe she'll mobilize i think we can probably get her uh campaign link and put it in the show notes or something 100 percent. in case people want to get involved as it gears up in the fall so what about reflection? I mean, she said it's pretty deep in her practice. Right. A daily routine, she said. Um, I don't know. It seems like it seems like you could do it anyway, really. As long as you know as long as you're very you have a lot of intention on what you're doing, then it you know, reflection can happen in the classroom, at home, in the shower, anywhere. Seems like there's levels of reflection, too. Mm -hmm. She talked about the daily and the weekly and then that deeper reflection when something happens that you really need to think through and think about accountability and commitment and doing this work with love. I mean, she she left just a minute ago from the studio with so much love Mm -hmm. and also balanced out with accountability. She also talked about the individual reflection where she sits with herself and the collective where she can sit down with her young people people around her and you know can't ever underestimate how different they all are and how how much they work together i was thinking about that while she was talking mm-hmm. and the phrase friends don't let friends reflect alone came <laughs> to mind but i think that's only half or a certain part of the equation you have to have some collective and some interface with other people who share right. solidarity in the same work who maybe have experienced similar struggles or have a different perspective on your struggle and your successes. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to have some personal alone work 
the, the idea that we can't change the world until we change ourselves yeah resonates um, from her interview but to change yourself you do need other people it's not a it's not a solo act yeah and I think that's where we get lost sometimes in uh, in mental health and in in the work of um, working in communities it feels like nobody else is as committed or nobody else is has experienced the same things you do um, and she's got a great perspective on kind of putting that aside and connecting right she does I friends don't let friends friends don't alone. let friends reflect alone friends don't let friends not have a reflection practice <laughs> Especially when she makes it seem so easy. Like, it, you know, as long as you, what do you need? A piece of paper to write stuff down? And then that's it. That's all you really need. And then not even that. As long as you know what you're, what you're going to think about, then reflection can happen. And I feel like her mentioning how instrumental it is, but also how simple it is, it should be happening all the time. And, you know, she also details how many, like, how many, like, ruts that students fall into when like stuff like that doesn't happen or like the lack of purpose that they might feel or, you know, or true. So, you know, it's always nice to have somebody who can put it into perspective for somebody who reflects on a daily basis and can speak to its merits. Well, I think you make a good point that starting is simple, mm-hmm. but the reason we're doing this podcast is because you need some guide, right? Uh, you need some guidance, some questions to ask yourself to ask your friends and we hope these interviews spark some of the same conversations right. that get a little bit deeper because if you don't have the discipline of Aisha I know for me there are days and weeks where you can just put that off to the side yeah even though it is so simple um, I, I do like the intentional spaces where somebody's guiding it somebody's pre-thought some of the things that will get deeper right and so that's uh that's what this podcast hopefully will do for people is do, I don't know, fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. They, it would it would provide that intentionality when, uh, you know, there are only 24 hours in the day and we feel like we need to be occupied for 24 of them. But maybe listening to this while you're walking to one of your classes or listening to this while you're running at the gym, then that space that otherwise wouldn't becomes a reflective space and, you know, the mindset would change. So, you know, what is it, once a month? As long as you can listen to this for a little bit, then, you know, you have what you need. You can, you know, you have all your tools. That you, might be a little full of ourselves. <laughs> I don't know. A little bit. I <laughs> am overemphasizing our impact probably, but. We'll give you something to start with. Yeah. That is that is based in practice. I think that's what was cool about your question to her. Yeah. Like, let's base this in not a theoretical, but uh We'll have other segments that will spark thinking mm-hmm. in other ways, thinking about community events, um, music or poetry. We'll hear from uh, Mo Kim next and segments that talk about the successes and failures. We're we going to call it hacks and hacks and fails tips, hacks and fails. Yeah. <laughs> I hope we can get some CS people into PBHA, if we start saying you can hack yeah. uh, reflection, you can hack social change, um, but not in the way that I think a lot of for-profit social entrepreneur type things try to hack a problem and don't talk to community members. That's why every episode we have a community member on right. to ground us and think about what's been tried and 
what's really happening, what's current out there. Mm-hmm. And no one knows the community better than community members. Boom. <laughs> what other things occurred to us? Got to wait to inter- to introduce Patty. <laughs> or you could do it now. But you need her whole resume. Yeah. So maybe next week, maybe in front of her, I could introduce her, which would make it easier too. You know, I was thinking it would be a simple uh, intro or outro or both would be everybody we have just take the clip of them saying PBHA, PBHA, and like kind of back to back them like PBHA, 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 PBHA. And it sounds like they're coming from all over a cavern or canyon or something. And then whenever they take to say the word reflection, we could also just put that either like that or spread out the PBHA and then the reflection would be all together loud. Like everybody's here in the studio. Right. That'd be amazing. Because everybody will say PBHA and reflection at least one, one time. Yeah. (laughs) Whether they want to or not. (laughs) Yeah. I was surprised that you shouldn't talk a bit more about what's broken. She stayed pretty positive. Yeah, she was. And, and that's nice, but um, there are some real things she's trying to change, and and we are too. Um, but I think it emphasizes the putting positive attention on things that are possible. Mm-hmm. And we'll ask our guests, I don't know what order they're going to be in, we'll ask our conversation between Anwar and Farah yeah. to address that a little bit. Um, how do you have hope? How do you stay? Stay positive. Yeah, not just stay positive, but hope is a state of being in the possible. Mm-hmm. Not false. Not, oh, I hope we can get this or that. But the hope of doing it means there is change happening. Yeah. And so that reinvigorates me. One of these times I want to do a practice that's physical so people are listening, gets them to stretch or breathe. That would be, that'd be, be amazing. Yeah. It would feel like, all right, everyone, wherever you are, stand up, raise <laughs> yeah. your arms. Shake down. <laughs> if we get Andrew Ionone, who was the SDC in 2012, he has his favorite. Mm-hmm. Shake downs. are always so hard for me. I don't like it when they go one, two, one, two, and then one, one, one. I just, <laughs> I freeze up. <laughs> So people out there don't don't have to feel bad if uh, they don't, can't keep up. Yeah. <laughs> we do focus so much on the negative, and I think reflection is, if we do it well, it's a tool to heal, and it's a mm-hmm. tool to delve into some self-awareness and to right. connect with others. And we can't really go anywhere until we heal some of those energy-sucking relationships yeah that's not the best way to put it until we heal ourselves and can fully join a community accepting love and accountability and giving love and accountability Mm -hmm. because there's so many people on this campus who share the values of serving of community work right and just need to take a step in that direction and reflection actually might be the first step. I've seen that before with 
students who've dabbled, who've done a little bit. And then they sit back and think about it and where they get the most and where they can contribute the most and what puts them in the best mindset is doing some of that work yeah. in Boston, in Cambridge, in our alternative spring break, um, being with people who remind you of real life and then reflecting on it. Very true. With your peers. Best reflection you've ever had? Best reflection I've ever had. I remember it was near the end of SUP. It was it was a 9 a.m. meeting. That's why I remember it. We were in the PBHA parlor room, and we did the thing where we drew out like our life map, and we talked about it. And the only reason that one stuck out to me was because I've never really talked about like like my upbringing or like my childhood. I just don't talk about it. And then I suddenly had to like present it, and it was it was new and it was weird, but it was it was eye opening. I don't know. I like. Got to see, like, you know, it was like I stepped out of my body for a second. I saw my life at a glance, and it was, it was, you know, made me think a lot about where I came from, why I built certain values, like, like, why am I even, why am I even here? You know, a lot of it, I was like, oh, as a kid, I did this, this, and that. When I was 12, I wanted to do some community service, and, you know, and then I was like, okay, well, I understand now my career option. I understand now why I'm at PBHA. I understand, like, why I think a certain way, you know, and a lot of it, like, I found, like, a lot of my childhood, I didn't even talk about myself. I talked about my mom and my dad, right? So, like, that, like, helped me kind of see my mindset in terms of relationships with other people where, you know, albeit maybe a flaw where I, like, don't consider myself in relationships with other people, you know, where, like, when I'm talking about family, it's of my mom, but I'm part of my family also. Yeah. And I like, like what, um, like what Aisha said, you have to be patting yourself on the back, like constantly. And that's not a bad thing. It's not an arrogant thing. It's a good thing. And, you know, like reflecting on that at the end of stuff made me realize how little of that I do on a daily basis. How about you? So much more powerful when you bring, can bring your full self to work, to play, to right. service. And hopefully that has allowed you to do that since then. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing. We don't often get asked in workplaces or, or intellectual places about probably the most influential thing, mm -hmm. which is where and how we were brought up. Yeah. And also it's so meaningful that to have other people know, to have that be a collective thing, not just journal about it, is even more of the powerful part you talked about it changed your mind. Right. But the people who are in that circle with you probably now respect you and have a sense of how to work with you. Mm -hmm. And um, and just you have a closer bond to do the work together. Right. To do service and advocacy together because of that. And I can only imagine, um, like I can definitely say I got closer with my other senior counselors during self because I got to hear where they came from. I like, you know, like shout out Esfos because you know yeah. it's amazing. Circles are powerful. Yeah. Do you have a favorite reflection or reflective practice that you've done before? So many good ones. So many good ones. We did one 
we did one with the Chan Stride group mm-hmm. that was in circle, small circles that uh, had talking pieces and they had questions and guidelines with them. So they just ran themselves. And then I got to be off on the side thinking about the same questions. Mm-hmm. And so I actually feel like I went through it, although I didn't have the power of hearing everyone's. But it was about anchors in your service work mm-hmm. and peaks. And the anchor stories that we heard were usually challenging, but they anchored people in, oh, this is why. Right. This is why I do that work for the guests, for the people with Alzheimer's. Like it was some experience that connected the dots of doing the hard work to make service happen mm-hmm. or advocacy happen. But it was always in connection with community outcomes, community impact. Yeah. And then the peaks, and we reflected on both of these, the peaks are usually good, usually high of kinds, which we need to have in service. The joy has to be there to sustain us. But it can't always be there. And I think the peaks remind us sort of the... Remind us of the ebbs and flows because we don't always want to be at a peak, um, but we'll have peak periods and we'll have peak moments and then we'll have uh, moments where it's okay that it's not that peak, but it keeps us going that we had that energy and that inspiration or maybe it's that other person who graduated uh, or moved on in another way. So I liked that one a lot. Yeah. Sometimes just the prospect of a peak you know, can motivate you just knowing that, you know, if I just like, I don't know, if I show up to program every day that I have to show up, you know, there will be a peak. And even if I can't see it or it's months down the line, like there's a peak that I know I'm contributing to. And I feel like that can really help motivate. Yeah. Combining that with mindfulness, Mm -hmm. there is a peak there. Just have to go with the awareness to look for it. The, yeah mindset to find it in the little things because I think if one thing we talked about was if peaks are these goals because we're all very goal oriented and uh, used to getting grades and things like that Mm -hmm. that sets you up that's a setup yeah the peaks are there and the joy is there it's about sort of finding it in the moments rather than trying to create the most perfect thing so that once you get to the end it's a peak right so it'll never work any word uh, she just texted me actually she said hey I'm so sorry uh, I know I said yes but I'm so behind on work I get her availability don't. for next week yeah think the goal orientedness is necessary in project planning that's necessary in leadership and for our joy and service we need to let it go a little bit mm-hmm. we need to be accountable to our group while saying the process is the way if we all do this well and we do it together <clears throat> the outcome will be what it is but it'll be a joy to do it right um
I particularly like the reflections. Of course, you know I'm I'm an advocate of circles. Mm-hmm. But any reflection that gets you to slow down, and most do, kind of the point of this podcast. Yeah. Slow down for 15 minutes, listen to other people, be thoughtful. Yeah. Because you can't really do your best thinking unless you really slow down and connect with yourself, right. those around you. Especially when you're at 100 miles an hour all the time. You all are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing that maybe we can emphasize more on this podcast is um, working within that culture. How do we set a new culture? There's, there's a shift happening. It's slow, but I hear it in PBHA that instead of four years ago or so saying, there's nothing we can do about this thing we operate within. Instead saying, let's imagine and create our own little culture. Right. And people who want to join are going to be att attracted to that. People who want in on that are going to see it and love it, and it doesn't need to be promoted. And it's, you can build culture. Somebody shapes culture. Right. Why not us? I like that. Why not us? Culture starts at the bottom. So, like, like we talked about little relationship building steps that change, you know, have big changes. Starting a podcast that a student could get on or listen to is one of those steps. I hope so. We're a little early in the game, but. Yeah. And why not us with community? Yeah. Because we have a lot to learn if we want to shape a different culture than the one that's here. Status quo, patriarchy, right. capitalism, sexism. There's there's all that embedded in society and then embedded in Harvard too. Yeah. To counter that, we do need to be proactive, creating something else to replace it. Yeah. And what better way to do that than to get off campus, connect with people who aren't living attached to or even succumbing to that culture that's, that has a heightened amount of isms mm -hmm. and ask them and learn from them what it means to slow down and reflect, what it means to see the world from their eyes. I don't know if I can snap, but snaps to that. <laughs> I hope we get some guests that push us on that. I really hope so. If anybody out there has recommendations, you can email sdc at pbha.org with questions for guests, with recommendations for guests to come on the show. Or feedback. Anything. Whatever. Yeah. This is a process that we want to be in together. So we're not actively producing a polished thing that's just for others. Anybody involved in this project will be changed, and we hope to change ourselves by doing it. 100%. Charles, we're going to change you too. He <laughs> gave a thumbs up. <laughs> He's a fuppy already on the path. On the right path. There are lots of paths. I shouldn't, uh, <laughs> we don't want to be too biased on yeah. air. <laughs> but a great, a great path for sure. I was on the STEM path mm -hmm. when I was in high school. I love physics. 
I took college physics when I was a freshman, when I was a junior. Wow. And again, when I was a senior. And then I got to college and it was really hard. Yeah. So I was a sociology major. (laughs) But I ran a high school program for teens to learn science and teach it to their younger peers. And so I stayed connected to that science stuff and still believe there's something to that, especially environmental science now that pretty much everyone we're handing the world off to is going to have that as a issue to contend with. Uh, Yeah. I remember being a part of those types of programs in like the fourth grade. It sucked because it was hard because it started at like seven in the morning before school. So, you know, it wasn't always possible for for everybody to come. Uh, we had the advantage. We lived so close to school, but I do remember that. Like, I still remember those mornings, you know, learning about like the stars, like playing those Jeopardy games because we had seventh graders that were with us and they, you know, they taught us the stuff that they already learned and it was their way of reviewing their material while also teaching us new things. It helps. Yeah. Is Mo Kim at 12.50? I'll text him. I could do a quick introduction that might work, and then I'll ask him to introduce himself on the phone, too. It sounds like Anwar's not coming. Yeah, no, not, not this week. <laughs> Let's see. Next, we have Mo Kim calling in from California. He's a teacher through Harvard Teacher Fellows and an alum of Harvard College, author. Let me start over. I got to make sure I get my gender pronouns right. Delete that. (laughs) I should probably ask again, too, when he introduces himself, just in case. What do we want to call this? I don't think we had a name for Reading. it. Reading. I guess we could wait till next week to figure that out. Like a good name for it. Think about it. Yeah. Next up in our reading poetry section. No, that doesn't sound good. Yeah. <clears throat> Next up, we have Mo Kim reading a poem he authored. Damn it. (laughs) 
this the pressure's on when the mic's on and yeah, uh, it really is next up we have mo kim reading a poem they authored a book called speech therapy and they're calling in from california teaching in harvard teacher fellows now they're so gracious to take time out of the day to call in and read and then reflect on why this poem means something to them and what it might mean to us in thinking about our theme today. Mo, welcome to the show. All right. Yeah, we're in WHRB studios recording. Not live. Wow. <laughs> wow. But welcome, Mo. Hi. So good to have you back in the PBHA space via this digital medium. <laughs> yeah, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. Give a little, a little context of where you are, where you're calling from. Sure. Um, it's really funny. I'm actually in the conference room at my school, um, and I am just wrapping up my first year of teaching um, at a school called Leadership Public Schools um, in Hayward, California. Um, it's honestly not where I expected to be after graduation. Like, I did not know I wanted to teach. Um, it was not really a career path I had considered, um, but um, there was a program at Harvard um, called the Harvard Teacher Fellows. Um, and, um, I have to say, I think after, you know, being here for near, it's hard to look, look back. Um, I think there's just so much joy, um, in the work and I think there is a lot of struggle. Um, but I think there really is, I think like really no other job, I think like where you get to, I think, work with people so closely and you get to see growth in so many different directions. Um, from your students, but also, you know, in yourself. Uh, and the entire experience is, I think, just really um, shaped me as a person. Um, and I think, you know, obviously, um, I'm thinking back to, I think, sort of PBHA, and I think sort of how, you know, engaging in community service work um, in college really shaped my views and shaped my values. And um, in many ways, I think this feels like an extension of that work. Um, so it's really funny, um, actually, to sort of be back um, and to be able to talk about it, I think, with, um, with, with, I think, you and with everyone. This is why you're the first person that came to mind, and we're so grateful for you sharing a poem from your collection, um, published. Uh, and tell us what the title is. Once you read it, then we can talk about what it means to you and your service. Um, sure. Um, I actually have a question. Um, mm -hmm. Would you be open to hearing? Um, I, I actually thought of two poems. So I thought of, I think, um, one poem um, that I have written, um, but I actually came across this beautiful poem by a poet named um, Mary Oliver. Oh, um, I love Mary Oliver. Yeah. Um, and so that one also is one I'd be very happy to share. Um, is there a preference? Um, would you prefer that I share um, something from my own work, or would you want? Um, or would you, I think, mind if I shared the other poem? I think either is fine. We were excited about your work because it's your words and, and history. And if you want to do both and why they both spoke to you, that's fine, too. Sounds good. Um, sure. Um, you know, I think it's funny. Um, I, I really do think like these poems speak to each other, um, speak to each other, I think, in some different ways. Um, so I guess, you know what? Let's do that. Let's actually do both. Awesome. I'm going to pull up... Um, the first one. Um, so this is um, called Wild Geese by Mary Oliver. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. 
you only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about the bear, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. So that one was, I think, um, by Mary Oliver, and I came across it like yesterday, I think literally last night, I think, um, in, I think, a class. And remembered, I think, like, you know, why I loved it so much. Um, and in a lot of ways, I think the second poem, um, which is from me, it's called um, Ode to Washing the Dishes. Um, I feel like it speaks to a lot of, I think, sort of um, the same experiences and sort of the feelings I've had. Um, in my first year of teaching. Um, so I'm just going to read it out loud. Um, this is Ode to Washing the Dishes. It is my first and favorite task, this 3 a.m. morning call to action, pull the stopper up, drizzle soap over the basin before blasting everything that sits on the bottom with a soul-cleansing stream of heat. As a dawn-blue detergent ocean boils over tonight's pile, I watch day-old histories dislodge themselves from the dinner plates. A chunk of John's unfinished tuna melt, a no-man's island of baked ziti crusted over, a peanut butter reef floating past my reach. This is what I come home to every Tuesday night, a ritual where routine meets uncertainty. I plunge gloved hands into murky waters and resurface with new burns each time. My shortcomings and failures stink this place up until salt clouds my eyes. Somehow my gloves always spring a leak. Somehow my fingers always slip just before they reach around to something resembling certainty. The dishes blink at me 12 inches underwater. They ask me why I am here. And before I can respond, the coffee maker yawns from the corner, reminding me that it is now 4.30 a.m. and Sonia needs to get to work soon. Its song bubbles me back awake, and I find my blistered fingers slipping back into the questioning. We circle through frigid New England nights, Swishing our sponges around until we begin to see themselves, to see ourselves in their grooves. We pick each other up where we've been chipped, as if a reminder that even our scars belong to something whole. We stand in memory of the ones who washed these shifting landscapes before we stepped foot into this kitchen sink world. Pray for the ones who will wash them long after our footprints have been mopped away by the morning. In this place, history is as short as the hours in between a makeshift family meal, and still, we come back every night. We scrub the dishes until they are slate-stained, but ready to be rewritten, ready to meet a hungry crowd come 7 a.m. Good morning. How can we help each other today? Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Second one, an incredible, vivid image that will speak to many people who've done a shift at the shelter on a regular basis, <laughs> uh, either, either shelter at PBHA or any shelter. Yeah. 
Um, God, it's so funny you mentioned that. I think I literally, I wrote that poem, I think, the morning after, I think, um, an overnight shift at the um, Harvard Square Homeless Shelter. Um, so it's, it's, I'm, I'm glad that sort of, I think that, you know, that carried, that carried through. I, I guess, like, I would have hoped it would have, you know, spoken to anyone, I think, who's been in that position. And what role does reflection in this way, your tool, your practice, play for your your growth in service to others, your growth in advocacy for a better world, advocacy mm-hmm. for a better world? Wow. Um, sorry, you just cut that out. That was a burp. I'm so sorry. Will do. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. Um, it's so funny. I think that, like, I think for me, um, reflection has really been this key to making work feel sustainable and putting work in perspective. And um, I don't know, I feel like there are so many small things that, you know, can, I think, be happy to carry if you, um, if you're holding them. Um, I mean, we kind of live in a world where um, service exists in part because of existing, you know, inequities, um, existing failures in our system. Um, And what that means is we sort of, I think, encounter the consequences of those um, inequities and those injustices, I think, you know, in our work on a daily basis. Uh, And so sometimes um, those challenges really do feel like insurmountable and you have to sort of at least for me, I speak myself here, you know, I have to pull myself back and I have to say like, look, I'm like one person, you know, and I can't, I think, you know, rectify everything by myself. And in fact, I think doing everything by myself is a toxic, is a toxic narrative. You know, I think it's, it's I think misconception people have about like what it means to be a strong person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be really isolating and it can feel like really, really, I think just like heavy, um, to carry us a person. Um, but I feel like for me, like talking about things and just talking about my own insecurities, I think like sort of my own, you know, feelings of failure and I think sort of hitting my limits and still being able to come back to the work. I think like that is productive. You know, that for me is really productive. Like being able to talk about things like, Hey, you know, I think I have this feeling and I think that other people might be feeling it too. And then it's like this thing you can talk about. And it's not like this, I think like horrible, terrible secret or like shame that you're carrying with you and um for me i think writing has been a really important part of my process of reflecting um i think just in part like it gives me something to i think talk about it gives me like something i can share with people and say like hey you know i have this poem um you know i think i want to hear how you feel about it um and um i think i realized um how important that is to me, I think, not just the reflecting, but also the community that can really be built around reflection and just like talking about how we experience um, this thing we call service. There's so much there. Thank you. Wow. And so much complexity in the way that you reflect while at the same time you clearly are in it from a joyful place. And how does that balance in your reflection with the making sure to share and be vulnerable as you are modeling so well did for years here the struggles 
Um, what I'm hearing you think about, I guess, to clarify is kind of like how maybe I balance, I think, like that. I think the real way to think like what we're doing with, I think, sort of joy and the um, the meaning and the happiness. Um, would that be a sort of a fair... Um, is that right? I, I just want to make sure I'm sort of getting... Yeah, that balance. Keep going and we'll just cut my question. That was great. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, no, it's so good. I, I love that this is, you know, I love how much of a conversation this is. Um, <laughs> just, uh, it is, it is playful. I think it's really important to forget, like, it, you know, it's, it, it's important to remember um, how much joy there is in the work that we get to do and we have the privilege of doing. Um, and, Part of it is kind of, for me at least, I think part of um, the joy is I think just, I think like being able to craft um, a story and being able to think craft an experience. Um, language has to think like magical power in my opinion to really I think like take experiences I think and take feelings and like be able to put them in like just really meaningful terms um, that make sense to other people and And I would say that um, there's something really joyful and powerful about, I think, taking something that is hard and still being able to think play with the language and to, I think, use language to think through it, like how it happens. And that process for me is really joyful. Um, and it's something I, you know, I always hope that I think like comes across in my poetry um, and in my writing. Um, and at the same time, um, I feel like just I think the experience of sharing and um, being seen um, that is also you know a source of joy um, sometimes I think I have to remind myself like part of why we need each other is that like your perception of yourself and your life I think is not always accurate and you need people to I think care for you and I think like you know and to be able to see you from a different angle and to say like hey I see growth in these areas I see all the ways in which I think like this has, I think, shaped you as a person and to honor that really. Um, so that feels um, like another part of, I think, like um, maybe like the way I reflect and I share my reflection that I think helps build that joy. Um, hopefully there are people too. I mean, you know, I think also I'm thinking of it from the other end and it's also this hope that like sharing writing can be a source of joy for other people who are reading and listening. And I think hopefully realizing that they may have feelings or they may have, I think, sort of think like these questions that like other people are holding in that room. And like, you don't know until you begin talking about it. Mm -hmm. That's such an advanced consciousness and ability to communicate it because they're two different things. And then there's your ability to communicate through beautiful uh, words. So all of us are struggling with just getting it out. Um, so thank you for, providing the thank you for being an example um yeah i mean thank you for having me i i'm thinking like just um for me i think like this is i think just it was a skill i kind of built over a long time i mean like um i'm not going to share the poem but i have a really funny story um you know where i was entertaining at sort of think like um an event and this was, I think, for context after um, 
the Harbor Dining Hall workers had gone on like a long strike, and so they were coming back, and they had won the strike, and so it was this big celebratory moment. And um, in that moment of joy and I think celebration of community, um, I broke my toenail um, while I was entertaining. Um, And it was just this profoundly embarrassing and um, painful moment. Um, And (laughs) I was like moping in bed and I was like, I can't walk. I can't, you know, I can't walk. I can't, um, you know, get out of bed. I I can barely, I think like eat, you know, I can't do anything. Um, And, Really, I think, like, the best way I had to, I think, like, I think, like, think of it positively, I think, like, just laugh about it. And, like, that was kind of, um, so I wrote a poem about, I think, like, just breaking my toenail. And um, if I think about it, there are so many moments in my life where I think I've, I think, like, overextended myself. And I feel like I've had to do that, like, as, you know, um, a person of color. Um, and as someone, I think, like, who grew up in, you know, a really religious community, I think, like, I constantly felt like I had to, think like, overextend myself. Um, in order to receive people's approval um, or their validation. Um, and and part of that for me is, I think, like just very integral to my identity. Um, but I think that realizing that pattern and then being able to name it and I think actually like laugh about it um, was a really cathartic, cathartic experience. Um, and I can think of a lot of moments at the homeless shelter where um, I had like a huge I think pile of plates and like I just wanted to think like something like blast through all of it and then ended up like burning my hands because I turned the hot water on and forgot to I think like temper it a little bit um and so those are also I think like you know painful experiences but you can write about them in a way that I think is funny or beautiful or um you know I think just colorful like um I really do I think see I think like a dawn blue detergent ocean I think when I think about that memory like those moments I think are really meaningful to me like in some way I think like they are meaningful because I think I remember the sort of sensory experiences I think so vividly um and if I can sort of interpret them in ways that I think sort of lift up the color and I think sort of the beauty that is happening in those moments I feel like I have a better way of thinking I I have I think like more I have more to process and I have a better way of processing, um, I think. And I also have more language to sort of name those mm. complicated feelings, um, I guess, that, like, everyone holds about the work that they do. Um, that was a lot of me talking. Um, but, yeah, I, I hope, right. I guess like, part of why I want to share the story, I think, is really, um, I feel like there's a way in which I think I use language, and I think that the way that people, I think, like, write and I think talk about what they go through and what they feel, I think, is different for each person. Um, but I think that is really something that has been, I think, unique to, I mean, not unique, but I think, you know, it has been really, I think, true of my experience in my life. You captured little moments, too. And Ackman and I were just talking about uh, earlier about how they're there and we miss them because we're going fast um, or we're going in too many directions at once. So that model of in the moment appreciating and whatever your practice is, nobody's going to write poetry as, as deep as yours. Um, but whatever people, our hope is that in listening to this, there's some inkling of, yeah, I want to think more about that. And I want to notice more. You also, so glad we had you on in this first episode. I think you brought up 
three or four <laughs> themes for future episodes. So we may have to have you back. But gratitude was in there, joy, um, and it's it's a uh, it's really an honor to connect with alumni in this way and to spread your voice out there. So thank you again. Um, thank you so much for having me. I mean, this is such a cool project. Um, I'm honored, you know, to be a part of it. And um, I am also just, I'm thinking about like just the many people I think will come through and hopefully be part of this conversation. Um, this is super exciting. Um, we'll keep I'm it really going. It's for all yes. of us. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Ma, we'll, we'll let you go. Do you have to get back to teaching this afternoon? It's morning there. Um, it is morning. It's 1024. Um, let me think. Like, I have to grade some stuff. Um, I need to prep for my um, sixth period, um, which I'm really pumped for. I'm specifically pumped for that class. Um, and then what else? No, I think that's, that, that's actually about it. Um, Being a teacher on a Wednesday. We're just thankful for your time. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, this is so, like, honestly, Jesse, this is so good. I'm also, are we still recording? Or Yeah, but we can cut, you know, whatever. This is, yeah, whatever. This is, this is fine. <laughs> no, I mean, this is, this is, also, if it goes live, I don't really care. Um, hi, if you're listening to this and you're not Jesse. Um, but, like, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I honestly think, like, it is actually so useful to, I think, like, be able to, think, like, pause in this way and, I think, like, take, um, a breath in like a very busy day. Also, that's the door. Um, let me see if that's actually someone that's coming. Um, hello, are you? I love that. That no worries. I can actually think the take is closed, so I can just I think like roll out. Um, hi, Jesse, I'm back. Um, okay. yeah, but I like I was just saying I think like it's it's so nice to think just like talk and like um. To be able to think like I think like pause and think about these things like during like a really busy day. I normally don't like I don't do it very often, you know. So yeah. I feel like it is nice when I get that moment. <laughs> and I'm like, oh wow, like this is actually really important too. You went all in on two poems too. So if you just did one every Wednesday, it would give you a moment. <laughs> yeah, this is true. This is really true. <laughs> New practice. Um, yeah, I think it's a poem every single week. Um, that one actually, I think that might have come from I think like last year like it might have been like I'm not sure if you, I guess like we had like that like whole like, PBHA like celebration dinner thing like yeah. at the end of the year and like I think I might have actually read the poem oh yeah um, you did yeah. I did yeah it was and I read it in speech therapy so <laughs> it was familiar to me oh wait is it, is it in the book I actually forget if that I think was so. the book oh wow right, I definitely heard check. it before and maybe it was um, maybe it was just from the senior awards. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Hey, I'm, I'm glad Either that way, you, it's awesome. yeah, glad that you remembered it. I, I, how have your year been? I guess like, just, I mean, I know it's been a while, but like, how are things going like on the PPH hands? Really good. Uh, we yeah. got a great team and, uh, transition on staff is kind of settled. So all the retirements, Robert, Phyllis, David, we are solid in terms of people who've come on board for over a year now, uh, almost wow. two and change. And then the officers are great. And there's some shifting in uh, the department. Um, and that I think is going to largely leave PBHA stronger or at least more cohesive mm -hmm. in terms of what it does and what's its niche. 
uh, and yeah. what's its broadness too. Yeah. The, I think we're we're working on that communications of this is for everyone. Yeah. And the podcast is honestly part of it. It's for our volunteers, but it's also for ourselves to be thinking about the real issues and we'll bring in staff, we'll bring in uh some of the people who can think about you know what do we want to be if we want to be a reflective organization, reflect you know, embody reflective practice in yeah. service with communities that definitely involves having to take a step back and look at our relationships with each other and with communities, look at the time we put towards ourselves, um, but also to be accountable to the goals and to each other. Yeah. You're a great model of that. So it was easy to think of someone who would just start off this podcast idea that's really crazy in some ways, but we don't even know how good it's going to be <laughs> yet. We're just open to learning from the process. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's a really cool idea and I, I imagine it's also going to be the thing like really awesome way of being like bringing people back in, you know, after they've graduated or I think that like, you know, after I think they've left it in Cambridge as a physical yeah. community, um, you know, I think, which is a really powerful thing about the internet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we like better really cool. we better go because we're both sick, <laughs> and the editor who's got the studio going for us is in front of us. Yeah. Um, but good luck the rest of the year. Thank you so much. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Um, and I will see you in June. Um, Amy and I and Je Amy and Janae and I, I think like I don't want to speak often, but I think like we are all back in June. Um, for I think um. HCF stuff, so I think hopefully yeah, yeah we'll drop by and like, you know, say hello. We'll be in SUP mode, and then in July, I'm going to be in baby mode, because my partner <gasps> is pregnant. Oh my god! Jersey! Yeah. Ah, uh, if I could hug you over the phone, I would totally do it. Um, we will. So yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. How are you feeling um, about how are you feeling about it? Like right now I have a fever and I need to go to bed, but okay. I'm feeling so, so good. We're so ready. We're excited. So, wow. I'm so happy for both of you. Um, that's that meme a day. That's so, Yay. that's so awesome. Wow. I'm happy for okay. you finishing your year. So we'll catch up after. Yes. After that and see once you're out of it, the day to day, like what are the yeah. reflections? Yeah. We absolutely will. Um, I mentioned, cool. I mentioned that you were going to bed, so I'll let you go. But thank you again for your time. Much um, love, Mom. Thanks. We'll catch you soon. Bye. Bye. It's always so amazing to me to think about what people in the Harvard community do, you know, outside of the academic sphere. Um, with Mo and with Aisha, it's so amazing that they're both able to dedicate themselves to be a part of something that's much larger than themselves, whether it's teaching, community organizing, um, all of that is, you know, something much larger than what an individual can do. Um, and that, to me, is so memorable. As promised, we will also be including some student voices on this pilot episode. Um, and that takes the form of Carmela and Teresa, who are board members at PBHA. Um, there are sub-programming uh, group officers who are super super nice for allowing us to interview them 
about you know their experiences at SUP this summer and what they learned from each other. They're honestly two halves of a perfect running unit uh, in the hard work that is SUP. I think there are no two people that I could think of that would be so great for the job as Carmela and Teresa. They've, you know, created SUP to be a sphere of collaboration, of effort, and honestly, it's reflected both of their dedication to the Boston community since they're both, uh, they both grew up in the greater Boston area. Um, so I hope you all enjoy this interview with them as, you know, they talk about their summer and what they learned from each other, especially in their role working as a team. <laughs> what did you learn from me this summer? What I learned from you this summer, um, I think I learned a lot about, you know, um, organization um, and being able to, you know, get tasks done in a more efficient and organized way. Um, and I also think I learned from you about being able to, you know, be introspective and, you know, reflect on my emotional capacity and yeah. Yeah, keep saying good things. Um, and I think that I learned from you that, uh, some of the, that fluffy stuff is kind of important. Like the, you know, the little slideshows and little videos that you made and your little yearbooks and your little, um, your little cute little t-shirts that you made that I never would have put time or energy into. Um, I think that, you know, as a, um, as, you know, someone who still has quite some time left, coming from someone who doesn't have nearly as much time left, um, you know, I think that you're going to learn the importance of, you know, prioritizing and uh, um, I think something you learn is about you know self-care and not taking on too much but also only doing things that you care about and knowing that the other stuff is gonna continue on without you and being able to pass the torch is a really important skill um, but not too early. You still got to remember that you have a legacy that you're leaving behind and you have to make sure that before you pass that towards your legacy, um, is what you want it to be. Um, but yes, everything continues to go on without you. Um, but you still got to leave your mark, you know? So. And Teresa, you me- what are you glad that you learned from Carmela? Um, uh, what are you thankful for? Yeah. So Carmela and I worked together, um, as SUP programming group officers. And we're both from the community. Um, I think something that I was really amazed by when I was working with Carmela during um, the school year was like how, I told her this like multiple times, but it was just how well she did at like compartmentalizing certain things. Um, Especially when you're running like a student-led organization uh, and you're interacting with students that are your age, like it's really hard not to take a lot of the stuff personally, especially when the work that you're doing directly impacts your community. Um, and so like when another person would come in and say something out of line, like I would take that to heart. And I think Carmelo is really good at redirecting me and saying like, like, you know, like they may, they, they may or may not mean that, but like at the end of the day, like 
the work that we do is gonna be like overriding the work that like, or like the words that somebody else said. Um, and so I really respect that. I think that's something that I was like coming in as a soft, uh, coming in, was I a sophomore? Yes. Yeah, I was a sophomore. Coming in as a sophomore and like as a programming group officer, I was like, I always thought that I was a lot more mature than other people and and then I like had to deal with a lot of petty things and I was just like I just want to be petty right now and it doesn't like it kind of like pushed me back when I was like I can't be petty right now because Carmel would be like no we can't be petty we have to keep moving forward like even if they don't attend this meeting like we're still gonna love and respect them and I'm like true true because um, at the end of the day like everybody's putting into like in work that's important um, even if they don't show up to every meeting uh, and I think Carmela taught me a lot about just Aww. like not being petty and Aww. bringing me back to the work. Wow, that's the nicest thing she's ever said about me. I know. Yeah, I think maybe just going off of that, I kind of like it is super hard not to take things personally, especially when you're so invested in the work that you're doing. You have such a personal stake in it. But I also like it t takes a lot of emotional energy to like get really you know upset at people every time I'm like even though like you you're probably justified in being upset at these people for doing some stuff that's out of line um you know it does take a lot of emotional energy so redirecting and pivoting and then also kind of practicing what you preach because you know if I talk about restorative justice I have to practice that in my own life too so you know trying to hold true to my values and whatnot, even though people be testing you. People do be testing you. <laughs> yeah, say more good things about me. Okay, um, yes, and Teresa is very mature for her. For a sophomore, definitely very mature. Definitely could not think of another uh, sophomore that I would have wanted by my side in this very difficult position I probably would have been like go home um but it was Teresa and you know felt really comfortable with her and we didn't plan to run together and then we just kind of did so yes and in hindsight I think if you look back at the job that you did then you know you can definitely see how much you know we both grew and learned from one another and we complemented each other very well in our uh skill sets um, and yeah, you know, that's, that's all stuff that happened. True facts. And just like that, our pilot episode is wrapping up. Um, I want to thank everybody who got to speak on it. Uh, a huge thank you to Jesse, who, despite being sick, still wanted to come and lend his voice and his expertise to interviewing our members of the community. Um, Jesse's energy is unparalleled and there's no one who I respect more as a facilitator and as a leader in the community that is able to manage uh, to get these voices together. Um, so I'm super thankful for him for being able to help us run this pilot episode. Hopefully next podcast should be about alumni engagement, uh, which I eagerly hope you all look forward to and tune in for. Thank you so much. Um, this is Ahmed signing off for the pilot episode of the PBHA podcast. Take care, everyone.